This episode is brought to you by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough reinvention. Explore the human-led tech-powered solutions that help you reinvent. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at pwc.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, America's number one motorcycle insurer. Everything is more exhilarating when you're on your motorcycle. Just like your bike is more protected when you choose Progressive Motorcycle Insurance. They offer coverage for your bike, starting as low as $75 per year. And they keep things affordable with discounts like paid in full, multi-policy, and responsible driver. So raise your kickstands and get to quoting at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. $75 premium is for state minimum coverage. Not available in D.C. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Westworld Season 4, Episode 2, Well Enough Alone is over, but we just could not leave Well Enough Alone, so we're just getting started here on the Welcome to Westworld podcast on post-show recaps. Welcome back to Welcome to Westworld. I am Josh Wigler. I'm joined here by my two co-hosts who always get a hole in one, beginning with Joe Garfine. Joe, I've, I've long admired your golf skills. Hilarious because I can't even do miniature golf well. That cannot possibly be the case. Oh, it's true. I played soccer because I had no hand-eye coordination for any other sport that required hands, eyes, and anything besides legs. Okay, so if Joe suddenly shows up and you are capable of even just, like, putting at the mini golf, uh, then you've been replaced by a robot? 108%. Okay, sounds good. Mike Bloom, how are you at golf, Mike? Uh, I'm fairly good in the miniature variety for the maxiature. Not entirely sure, <laughs> though. I, I am from Connecticut, so it feels like inherently in my own code, in a manner of speaking, yeah. that like I'm naturally suited to it. I would say it still should be suspicious, though, if I hit an alarming amount of hole-in-ones. I think the, the vice president would certainly have some words for me if that's the case. Very excited to talk through episode two here. Yeah. Really enjoy it for what it was. I don't know if I'm looking at it through rose-colored glasses or perhaps horn rim glasses. Oh, I was going to say, or perhaps Bernard-colored glasses. No <laughs> Bernard still on this show through uh, two episodes. We do have a Charlotte Hale before Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah. Uh, and I believe, Joe, you are the one who gets this uh, gets this right. Uh, you got a, a Charlotte Hale sighting 
before we slam to credits in this yes. one. So uh, what were the stakes? Did we set stakes? We should have set stakes, Joe. Uh, yeah, that the loser, the winner has to go mini golfing. And <laughs> Fine. You know what I really would have loved, by the way? Now, there's a little all over the place. I swear we'll do a sequential uh, recap, but this is Westworld. What is time? Um, what I would have loved very much, Joe, is if the vice president of the United States keeps watching William hit all these holes in one. He's like, <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Do it again. And eventually is the man in black. But do I have to tell you that I'm a robot? Like, can we can you run away in fear yet? Like, because like, dummy. He's like, no, just do it like 500 more times. Did you guys think Saeed was going to stroll up at any point? Oh, I did. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm one of the Oceanic Six. Oh <laughs> I gosh. would have loved, actually, if we spun off even further from this, and this inspires a brand new storyline I like to call Happy Wilmore, where <laughs> William becomes a major golfer <laughs> and just fleeces everybody. Amazing. I thought Absolutely you were going to go incredible. with like a Hurley golf course situation, but you really went there. Oh, my gosh. I thought that this was a really fun episode of of Westworld. I am really enjoying season four of Westworld so far. I think that they are bringing it um, in ways that are both, um, I think, genuinely really thrilling and intelligent and well-crafted, and in some ways in which it is intentionally hilarious, and then other ways in which it's probably unintentionally hilarious, but I need laughs, so I'm happy with that stuff. Overall, really, really pleased with episode two here. Joe, your takes right off the gate. Uh, how are you feeling about the second episode of the season? I can't think of a more stylish show. I just mean from mm. the the costumes, the sets, the production, the the ethereal feel, the way they film it, uh, the lands and the landscapes. And I, I just think I'm enjoying it so much. And I think I would never use the word dumbed down, but what they did is I think that they made it not necessarily even more linear, but easier to digest this yeah. season. Two episodes in, I am admittedly, like, I don't know what's going on half the time. I wing it with you guys with theories. Um, yes. And I feel like I have a maybe a little bit more grasp, but we're going to find out in a few minutes if that grasp is loose or not. Um, Mike, one of the things that I love is that like, yes, maybe is this a little bit dumbed down or streamlined or like simpler to digest this season. Also in the same point, Ed Harris is still alive as two different versions of Ed Harris and his head is just attached to maybe some sort of robot body. But that is pretty straightforward for Westworld. Either that or they just like really like dressing him up to Joe's point about costumes. Like, hey, we should dress you up like Tron. Wouldn't mm -hmm. it be funny if Ed Harris, we pretended that he was in Tron for a little bit. I, I want to know who had the job, Mike, of going up to Ed Harris and being like, all right, so today we're putting you in this really tight black rubber suit. And we are posting you up inside of a spherical object. And your arms and legs are going to be in a harness where you won't be able to move. I want to know who had to say that to Ed Harris and what the response was like. Oh, Josh, I am like 15% sure that we're going to see the behind the scenes feature effort this. And it's just going to be like him putting his head into this, like, you know, when you're at the carnival and they're like the cutouts, they assembled the entire frame of the body, Vitruvian man style. And like, uh -huh. Ed, just stick your head in there. You don't have to do anything else. We're not going to go through the entire thing of putting this Oscar winner through essentially wearing like a black skin tight suit Incredible. And, like, and stringing up his arms. I I really enjoyed this as well to the points that both of you have been made. I really like the the pace that they're moving this thing along. Well, I think we spoke, Josh, you and I spoke highly about how season three was able to like roll out twists at every turn to sort of like keep us going amidst even some of the more confusing points. We haven't exactly gone in that direction, but I think there are still some really exciting, especially aesthetic choices that are made. And in particular, this season, I know we're only a quarter of the way in, but this season to me is all about the Maeve-Caleb dynamic. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, we, talk, we talked in our feedback show, right, about how we didn't necessarily need to see that seven-year 
break between seasons. We're basically seeing it now, considering the rapport that these two are facing. And I think Tendaway Newton and Aaron Paul just have really fantastic chemistry and camaraderie together. That has really been a highlight for me. Is even less so like the plot points, the twists, etc. Largely, my enjoyment of this episode hinged on the two of them and like all the banter they had. Yeah, I'm really enjoying what's going on with uh, with Maeve and Caleb as well. I have uh, I, I I don't have uh, as many questions about them maybe as I thought I might coming into this episode, but that might be more because. I have so many questions about so many other things coming out of this one. Joe, my brain ball, it it hurts. There there was there's a lot of a, uh, lot. <laughs> a lot of wrenches they threw into our plans here, into their plans. And again, I just I I'll, I'll tip my hat to the creators and writers of the show. I just think it's uh, so I thought you clever. weren't really a hat person. Listen, mm-hmm. I'm not. I don't mess up this hair. Come on now. But no. my virtual hat tip to them because I feel like this is it's just very clever. Uh, yes. the groundwork they're laying. And I listen and drink if you had lost anything. We already mentioned Saeed, but there's a lighthouse. Come on. <laughs> well, there, there, there was a lighthouse. A lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the the explosion happened because they saw this big wheel that showed them in their homes, and Caleb got really angry and smashed the mirror. Though this time it exploded it. Uh huh. That could be. It could be. All right. So we've got a lot to talk about. We've got the arrival of Charlotte at Dolores as Charlotte. It's Tessa Thompson, whatever we call her. She's in the show. We are getting more information on what she is all about. More information on the man in black and what Ed Harris is up to specifically in this show. Some more information on what's going on with Christina. I don't know. Mike, do you feel um, much closer to clarity as it pertains to Christina this week? might be confirmation bias, but again, I think I'm really shooting towards this thing that I have focused my brain ball around, which is like this this make-believe simulation that has her reliving beats from the past. Like, I think we are seeing a lot of time displacement here. We saw it with her visiting a place that already existed, yet she just found out about it. That, to me, screams not necessarily time travel, but much like we saw with Dolores in season one and the man in black in season two, like, going through your loops in a manner of speaking. So that's what I'm sort of revolving around. That took very much a backseat, quite literally in Christina taking that Uber out to New Jersey uh, this episode. So there wasn't really a big to-do or to-D about it. Little surprise that James Marsden goes back into the shadows here. Uh, but I-, I think that's what I'm still steering myself towards personally. And I feel like this was a bit of a hint that something is off with the chronology of things, just from the fact that, again, she only found out about this guy dying three days ago and found a wing that had been dedicated to him. I would imagine at least months ago, if not years. Right. Yeah. So there's definitely some timeline wonkiness to some extent happening in that neck of the woods. We're going to do our best to puzzle this out on the, uh, uh, on our own three brain balls, better than one. Uh, Of course, more than three brain balls, even better than three. And we want to hear from you out there for our upcoming feedback show, you can send feedback in westworld at postshowrecaps.com is our email address. You can also tweet at us at a Mike Bloom type. That's Mike at Joe Pinionated. That's Joe. I'm at Round Howard. You can tweet at me. I'm not going to be on the feedback show because I'm getting out of here. Uh, <laughs> I'm on my way out of town. Uh, this is going to be one of the final podcasts I do before I go off on a little bit of a vacation. Uh, and I'm kind of mad about it because Westworld's in like a really cool spot. And I'm really curious to see what's going to happen in episode three. And I want to be on those podcasts. So I'm bummed. Well, but 
I'll be Josh, back. Josh, you do know that every time you podcast, there's an IP ping that comes to my, me from your mm-hmm. location. So I just have to call and check in on you to make yes. sure everything's okay. Yes, uh, sonar pings. Uh, so yes, I will uh, I will be back as soon as I can. Uh, I believe that you have a fabulous guest who's going to be showing up on the feedback show coming up. We'll let that be a surprise, but get that feedback in. We do want to hear from you, Westworld at postshowrecaps.com. That feedback show coming your way a little bit later in the week. Let us begin with Clementine. Clementine, Joe. Clementine's back. I love Um, her. She's the best. Uh, Angela Serafian is back on the show here as Clementine. And I have to say, I was a little uh, bummed out by the return of Clementine, Joe, because she... I just want her to have like this like idyllic, you know, tiny like European life that she seemed to be enjoying and living. And of course, here comes the freaking man in black to ruin everything once again. It's just like with, uh, you know, Maeve and her cozy Dexter cabin. I mean, it's just it's just no longer idyllic. So here's the thing. Are there two versions of Clementine or are we looking at different timelines? Because abroad, Clementine was killed by the man in black. But in the quote now time, she works for the man in black. At well, do, do we think, Mike, that the that the timeline in the first scene of this episode is that playing uh, into like the is, is like the man in black stuff in this episode on a straight line as far as you can tell? That's, again, I'm going with Occam's razor here, much like the razor that the man in black uses to slit Clementine's throat, where, mm-hmm. like, I do not think we're dealing with multiple timelines again. My logic is he kills her, is able to essentially bring the corpse to hell of, like, okay, let's recharge her. I don't think it's either, like, it could be someone else's brain ball inside of her or just, like, she has now been reprogrammed to now be this mindless drone and representation and sort of, like, assistant to the man in black, but... I would believe it is at least the corporeal same version of Clementine. Interestingly, we're going to get both versions of Clementine in this episode, not even just past the, the two. Oh, yeah. The the, uh, the old new Clementine is uh, back on the show this week. We'll talk about her as we go into the golden age, Joe. Well, it's really interesting because Clementine is a Maeve ally, and Hale knows this, so she has Clementine under her control. Okay, yeah, that, um, that answers a question that I had. Uh, my question was, why can't we just leave Clementine alone? Look, um, there's that. You're, you're she... clearly able to reproduce all of these different people. You can replace senators and vice presidents and all of these people. Why do you even need Clementine? Just let her, you know, eat like pasta in the hillsides. Like, please let her have some peace. Don't you know how horrible it has been for her? Just let Clementine be Clementine. And instead, you're going and you're killing her and then bringing her back to life as a new evil robot puppet. And I just want Clementine to be able to just have lunch. Uh, and so, like, why? <laughs> What's the point? And I think, Joe, you bring up a really good point of like scare tactics against Maeve, Mike. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Well, let's remember that Maeve did attempt to bring more people back. And the only ones she succeeded in doing when she uh, decapitated, not Musashi, were Clementine and uh, Shogun World Armistice. And I think one's a little bit closer to Maeve than the other one, personally. Mm, Uh, So I think it makes sense. And there's also a bit of like digging the knife in a manner of speaking, right? Of like, if Maeve gets sought after by one of her best friends, that is truly a representation, I think, to her of like, look what I can corrupt. Look what I'm able to do. So, yeah, I think it was very clearly a, I'm going to try to get information out of you. If I can't, I'll use you in a different way. 
Yeah, yeah she's so. weaponized Clementine. She has been weaponized for the uh, for the umpteenth time on this oh freaking show. Remember gosh. when she was the bomb? She uh, was zombied. Yeah, yeah. Uh, every single season, Clementine has just been like brought back to life to be the Terminator. It seems like, and that's the thing. It's like, listen, Angel Serafi is very good at playing the Terminator, and I'm not here to besmirch uh, if she wishes to be the Terminator all the time, or if the creators of this show are like she's just so good at being the Terminator. Let's just have her be the Terminator again. Okay, I understand. I would have been fine if she just was able to like have her like Maria Von Trapp moment and like <laughs> go into the hills. They were alive, these hills, to the sound of music, Joe. That would have been nice. I think it, that that would have been fine. It was very, very pretty. I'm like, ooh, I want to go to there. Yeah, I would love to go to there. Uh, I'm getting pretty close to there. Uh, the I was going to say, like, Josh, yeah. I'll send you a photo. I'll send you a photo. I'll send you photos. It's going to be great. Can't wait. Um, all right, so let's rejoin Maeve and Caleb. They are on the run. They're catching up in the car. Caleb was talking about how his wife and his daughter, they're the best things that have ever happened to him. I think Maeve is the one who says, that's a pretty low bar. Uh, uh, and then asking about like, what, so what have you been doing? Well, I've been up in exile, you know, as you do. He's like, was well, it sounds pretty lonely. She's like, I was alone. I was never lonely. It's like, then why'd you come down? You should have just stayed where you are. He's like, well, you idiot. I came to save your life. <laughs> yeah. Do you not remember the man that was like shooting you in an alley? Uh, and then I was had to slice off with a katana. She, she yeah. knew that shit was going south. And so she had to as well. Again, this dynamic right off the bat is fantastic and really great badass episode for Maeve, considering that she starts the episode decorking a bottle of wine with her teeth and then just taking a big swig straight from the bottle. You're yes. like, yeah, this is an awesome Maeve episode. Now, now, Joe, I have to ask, is it cool to drink and drive as a host? Are you, are you ab ab absolved from these rules if you are a robot? I believe that the um, wine has uh, just a negligible effect on your electronics. So, yes, I believe it's safe. Mm -hmm. Could have been yeah. a non-alcoholic wine as well. We just don't know. Maeve uh, could do anything she wants. Yeah, she could just, like, purge the the effects from her system. She could just, like, uh, her basic uh, apperfection, uh, whatever the word is. I don't have <laughs> it. She has this incredible aptitude skills that she could just turn up and tune out the booze, I suppose. Um, Let me ask you a question. Episode yes. two. Do you, how do you still feel? about Aaron Paul's character Caleb being alive or a robot. I think he's alive. Okay, so here's the thing. So when we we go into this mansion now, right? Uh, and so this is like the mansion that they saw in the Frederick Lane flashbacks, I think, right? So when they were yeah. examining the Marshall's brain, Mike. That yeah, because they, was, they, mm -hmm. they saw William getting out of a car outside of this place. And I guess Maeve is able to like Google Maps it. Right? Uh -huh. like, ah, <laughs> this is the exact location where we should it's go to. It's the Maeve map app. Yeah, why didn't they just use Google Maps to find the center of the maze? Uh, I want to know. Uh, that may have been, uh, they just didn't have access to it that. It was blacked yeah. out. Well, yeah. This was before geocaching was a big popular thing, right? They could have really, if Westworld had come out in like 2019, it would have been totally different. Oh, I thought that you meant the 2050s of the world of Westworld is before geocaching is the thing to which I'd be, yeah, also true. It hasn't really caught fire yet, <laughs> has it? Uh, no. Not to, not to uh, besmirch the geocachers out there who are going to be writing in force to Westworld at BoShowRecaps.com. But we go to the mansion and we see um, a, a really a couple of people in this episode who I think are notables. This is uh, the first of, of a few um, horn rimmed glasses himself uh, from from Heroes uh, is going to be showing up here as who is he? Senator Ken Wickman, I believe Something was the like name. That. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got to love these names. Uh, yeah. So Jack Coleman, he to me has always been one of these actors where I know we make fun of like, how could anyone tell that Clark Kent wasn't Superman? He just put on a pair of glasses. Legitimately, every time Jack Coleman doesn't play his HRG role from Heroes, which is essentially everything but Heroes, where he's not wearing glasses, I do not recognize yeah. him. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like he legitimately looks completely different when he wears glasses. So like people of Metropolis, I do apologize on your behalf. <laughs> yes. Uh, so he's he's clearly a host. Uh, it it bears out very quickly this fight that goes down between Maeve and Caleb and Senator Wickman, as well as Anastasia, his wife, who has also been replaced by a host. Um, and to your question from before, Joe, of like how am I feeling about is Caleb a person or is Caleb a host? Here in this episode, Maeve did not like was not able to like initially tell. Uh, and we also have like other hosts who can't tell other hosts apart later in this episode when Maeve and Caleb are pushing into the new Delos Park and the original uh, or like the, the old new Clementine. We're going to have to come up with a way of describing her. Uh, just is, call her Sophia. That's what she called herself. Sure. Sophia. Uh, but that's not as fun as coming up with a nickname. But Sophia like isn't able to tell that Maeve is a host. So there's a part of me, Joe, that does wonder if... Um, if Caleb is a host and if it's possible that even Maeve wouldn't know it. I do think he's probably human just because somebody's got to be, but I wonder about it. I still do wonder about and it. And the fact that they referred to a place called the lighthouse where he was injured and she saved his life. Right. Quote unquote, did she save his life or create a new one? I think we'll find out this season. The thing is, is like if he is a host, it's probably something that Maeve is aware of. Uh, that Maeve is aware of. That I, she I mean, I would say it's something Maeve is directly responsible right. for. She would, she would probably case. be largely responsible for this. She would be aware of it. She would probably feel some measure of guilt over it, and she'd be keeping this very big secret from Caleb. And Caleb would be the embodiment, once again, of like, if you don't know, what's the difference? Um, I still think that that card is on the table. Can I, can I go with a, a theory right away, a crazy theory? Yeah, of yes. course. Yes. I think Shaloris, Haloris, whatever her iteration is. Please, Charlotte Dulcino. Hale. Yes. Oh, no. no, no. <laughs> Dulcina is someone else. Yeah. Totally different person. I think, um, uh, see, I already lost her name. Charlotte. Shaloris. Shaloris. Knowing Maeve's obsession with her daughter from the park, that Caleb's wife and daughter are hosts and they were plants and they're being used and manipulated to manipulate Caleb uh, by Charlotte until she gets okay. what she wants or gets to Maeve. As like another way of like twisting the knife to Maeve. Yeah, it's too um, coincidental that Maeve had a daughter who looks very much like Caleb's daughter of the same age. Okay, uh, it's a possibility uh, that, that that that's, that's so sad. I know. <laughs> sorry, dude. He keeps saying this entire episode like they're my world. Do anything to protect my family. It's like sorry, they're robots. You've been guess what, dude? You've been boinking a robot. I don't even know how that would work. Like, <laughs> well, it he, worked in the park. Saw, but he like saw his daughter grow up. It's not like they just progressively swapped out. Like, all right, let's swap out the one-year-old robot for the two-year-old robot. Ten Buck says she had an emergency surgery. They took her in to quote bring the baby out, but he wasn't in the room. I'm just saying. The other thing that maybe they could be doing, Mike, is if Caleb is uh, a host, like they're constantly rebooting his memory so he doesn't realize that they're replacing <laughs> out. The baby <laughs> robots. So just like the men in black, uh -huh. like, not literally, but like the, the mind wiper, right? Of him being like, wait a minute, were you just four the other day? Why are you boop? Oh, hey, how you doing, Frankie? Let's go <laughs> shoot some more cans. They're doing strange things to people and robots on Westworld these days. It's not out of the realm of possibility. They are wholesale replacing uh, politicians here, which some people would say is probably a plus. Uh, and we are seeing uh, horn-rimmed glasses is, in, uh, is one such politician who is killed and then replaced uh after this fight scene we find out more about this where even like he gets like shot a bunch of times 
Uh, and it's not until he gets like kneecapped that he's finally taken out. Maeve is going to stab this woman, Anastasia, in the head. Uh, and then they're going to bring Senator Wickman online. And Maeve is going to plug into his memory banks uh, and find out that he is this emissary of a new world order. He is one of 249 of his type. Uh, and through scanning the memory banks, she's going to watch how he was killed and replaced, how Anastasia was maimed but not killed and instead brought to the barn with the rest of the livestock uh, on the orders of one Charlotte Hale. And when Maeve disconnects from this memory, she says, oh, it's actually worse than I thought. And I texted you guys this line once I <laughs> once I saw it, and I was howling watching this IRL. Uh, yeah. I just thought that line read from Tanway Newton of, oh, it's actually worse than I thought. It's amazing. I mean, mesmerizing. Very applicable. I also, though, lulled at the line reading from Ed Harris, where Jack Coleman says, you know, well, happy life, happy wife. Isn't that the saying? And he just replies, my wife's dead. <laughs> like that actually made me Oops. laugh. It's pitch perfect, right, to the whole Simpsons thing of, like, I sleep in a racing car bed, don't you? I sleep in a big bed with my wife, except it's the exact opposite. We're like, yeah. He's like, my wife is dead. I don't care. You're a robot now. It, it was so, again, to your point, Josh, I don't know if it was intentionally or unintentionally funny, but, yeah, not only was that a great line from Maeve, perfect cut to credits as well. Oh, of like, So funny. Of, like, uh, womp, womp, womp. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's it. actually worse than I thought. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, well, let's go from that to something super serious. You noticed that the flies were all around the horses and Anastasia. So obviously you knew Charlotte was at the helm of, of the nanotech flies, too. Yes. Yeah. Either uh, so that or it's or everything's real smelly. It could There's be that. both. Why not both? Why not both? True story. Let's talk about the flies. Because so when we come on the other side of the credits, there is, um, you know, this quick scene at Delos HQ where this guy, Jim Navarro from yeah. the Justice Department is here. Do you recognize who this guy is? No, all I wrote in my notes is the guy who looks like Peyton Manning because he looked like Peyton Manning. He's a character a actor. That's all I know. Okay, well, you're both going to be like, oh, in a second here. You ready? This is a uh, character actor, Josh Randall. He was on Lost. Uh, he was on the beach. There you go. Holy he, moly. Josh, Josh Randall, a.k.a. Nathan of the Tailies oh. on Lost. Nice a. one. A, the falsely suspected other who gets mm -hmm. his next staff by Goodwin. Yeah, I and, feel like a failure that I and, did not recognize. I, I, still think, I, I still think he looks like Peyton Manning, so I, still, I, I call this a win in my mind. You book. know, two things could be the same. He was also in the first episode of Ozark. Uh, he has a, an important role in kind of getting the story going. If I'm telling you he's in the first episode of Ozark, I think that might be a tell that he's not making it out of the first episode <laughs> of Ozark. But anyway, uh, he's in an episode of Westworld now, too. That's good for him. Anyway, he wants to see William, but he doesn't have an appointment, so he's going to get turned away. We're going to find out that this guy has some theories about what's going on. He's relatively close to the truth. But when we go back to the senator's house, Maeve and Caleb are exploring this barn where, yes, Joe, there are many, many flies and they are swirling around the horses and the real Mrs. Whitman is here and she's like carving up the horse and she doesn't know why and she uh, needs to be put down. They shoot horses, don't they? Uh, and she is going to like invite them to this thing. She says, there's an old friend who's anxious for a reunion and Don Giovanni can't be late. I've done my part. Time to do yours. And she's basically begging them to kill her. And what we're seeing here, Joe, seems to be very similar to the cartel guy from the first scene of yes. the season, right? Yeah, the flies you know, had him kill him, had him kill all of his, his cartel people. 
And then, you know, I don't know why the net, why Charlotte would have her kill the horses, but it seems well, like that was her directive. Perhaps this could be something of like a little bit of experimentation, could it not? Of like, uh, hey, you know, you often talk about animal testing. Uh, perhaps if this is a bit nascent technology, uh, not Nathan nascent. technology. Well, Nathan technology is going to be shown from the whole fly freaking crawls into his eye. That question yep. got disturbingly answered as to like, Ew. oh, they entered system. Open orifices in your body. Right. Uh, the human <laughs> body has lots of vulnerabilities. So, yes. yeah, it could be something where maybe it's just like charging at your base desires to murder something that you're closest to. That could also be something where like, if Anastasia had a love for her horses, she was driven to slaughter them. This cartel guy was drawn to his fellow business partners. He was driven to slaughter them. It might be this idea of like, hearkening back to the lizard brain. And like tapping into those base instincts to control them to do something. Yeah. Uh, so we, it's kind of like a why not both uh, situation of, okay, it seems like people are getting replaced with hosts, but also these flies are infiltrating human beings and causing them to do things. So I think we've got two theories that do seem alive and well simultaneously of like certain people are getting uh, replaced and other people are getting Jaegered. Uh, other people are getting just like taken over and piloted by flies. And um, also their blood turns like black and bubbling like, like Jaeger. <laughs> like Jaegermeister. Uh, so it is very, very weird. I, I love this, uh, this line from Maeve where she's like, yeah, maybe she's human and she's not like any human I've ever seen. Um, so we also, do we see like, so there's like the, the, the blackish blood that's gurgling from the skull. Did either of you see any bugs crawling around in the skull? I was looking. I wasn't looking closely, but no. I'm on bug patrol. You uh, are. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you. Take care of that. But you be your, our exterminator here. Yes. Now I would imagine the fly sort of like gets in and gets out. Uh, yeah. you know, just like does its job, plants its eggs in a manner of speaking, and then is able to get out. But all that it's able to like, change the body chemistry right yeah. like that truly is something spooky that they're able to do that and really get inside you and like change you from within in more ways than one. Oh, very very scary hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, America's number one motorcycle insurer. Everything is more exhilarating when you're on your motorcycle. Just like your bike is more protected when you choose Progressive Motorcycle Insurance. They offer coverage for your bike, starting as low as $75 per year. And they keep things affordable with discounts like paid in full, multi-policy, and responsible driver. So raise your kickstands and get to quoting at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. $75 premium is for state minimum coverage. Not available in D.C. Discounts not available in all states or situations. This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow. Everyone's talking about AI. Everyone. But where do you start? How can it actually help your business? The ServiceNow platform brings intelligence into every corner of your company. So every person, every system, every process... Everything works better. Put AI to work. Tap the banner or go to servicenow.com slash genai to see how.
All right. Why don't we talk about your favorite character on the show right now, Mike Bloom, because you named her Dolstina. At least it's Christina. <laughs> Whether or not she is a Dolores Christina hybrid named Dolstina, we have yet to know. Um, but we are getting back into her storyline, which by all uh, accounts at the moment, completely disconnected from the rest of what is going on still. And when we're catching back up with Christina, she can't sleep. Can't stop thinking about this guy, Peter Myers. Uh, and we have this obituary of Peter. Did either of you stop down to to read what it said? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's a little, little yada yada, a little blase personally. I'd, uh, I'd want to be like Emmett, her boss, right? Be like, I want a better story. Essentially, he was a wealth management consultant who then like went back to school, got a master's in finance. And then also on the side, he was a big mental health advocate uh, and so that was the story of peter myers again like date of birth to date of death perhaps in question marks given the chronology of all this but that's essentially the the short version of his story sans the stuff that apparently dolores either cribbed or inspired in peter's actual life joe are you having any strong feelings as to whether christina is like the author or the reader here is she the author of peter's fate or is she plagiarizing peter's life I go back to what I said on the feedback show, which is, yeah, she's an unwitting author. She is creating these stories, which are, quote, real in this simulation. And Peter was awake, much in the sense that the host started to become awake in Westworld. This seems like a, a cycle here, right? He is in some kind of matrix, and he is aware of what's happening. In Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I completely agree. And it really comes down to a moment when she is in the Hope Center for Mental Health later, where a bunch of people walk in i guess maybe like they're doing some renovation or something for this new building and she says like please go under her breath and then they go i think she has a little bit more power than she might believe mm. was the hope center for mental health was that the same place that william was at in uh in season three or is this a different place i was no, trying place to figure was, yeah, that out. place was in mexico uh, and this place is in new jersey so even okay. from a geographic perspective it's different it could have had the same building design uh i was trying to like clock the plans i thought for a second that that was the uh, the art museum that Caleb and Maeve are going to go to mm. take the, the train to Westworld. It's not, at least from my perspective, because uh, yeah. that would have been another interesting timeline thing as well, right? Of like, here's plans for a building that hasn't been built yet. It exists in this particular storyline. Joe, was I was... I was thinking about you during uh, this, this Christina sequence because she's walking to work. Uh, nice walkable commute. We love this as a New Yorker. Uh, and she's on her way in. And as she's on the high line, uh, she is walking past um, this man who is sitting uh, outside. Uh, and he is he's talking. He's rambling. He's clearly, you know, pretty disturbed and upset. Uh, and he's saying it's killing them. The noise. It's coming from the tower. No one can hear the music but mm. me, me and the birds. And Joe Garfine, who has been podcasting about Westworld right here on PSR from the get, has been talking about the music being triggers for the hosts since season one. Uh, so it, this feels good for you, I have to imagine. I literally <laughs> wrote down... Uh, refer to my old theory mm -hmm. about the trigger. This He said, song without sound is killing them. That's yeah. And I was like, okay, mind blown emoji. Because I've been saying since the 2016, which is bananas to say out loud, <laughs> when this show started, that if you look closely when they play the piano in Maeve's saloon, 
Uh, there are little things that change and shift within the show. And I think that they do use music um, with the host. Someone is controlling music and using it as a trigger. I feel like this gave a little bit more credence to my theory that whatever's happening in this simulation, the quote tower, the HQ is also using music. Yeah. So yep. that being said, uh, not a happy tune for these birds. There's heaps upon heaps of dead birds. Could it be something where like, I don't know, is is the music not meant for them, much like the maze? Is it something that, like, when you hear the music, you die, almost like a thing from The Ring or a Vecna for a Stranger Things fan? Right, right. I immediately just said, Walt! Because uh -huh. if you're a Lost fan, you know uh -huh. about Walt and dead birds. Yes, it's true. Uh, could possibly be that a taller host, Walt, <laughs> is uh, summoning <laughs> the birds into the windows. Just imagine Winner. Malcolm David like... <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Christina. It's me. I'm your date now. Hi, Dolstina. Yeah, I like You're, that. I have a theory about the the birds. They needed Dolores at that moment in the simulation to stop and notice something or not go inside at that very moment because they're stopping her from seeing something. So to me, it was a distraction. Mm, I mean, interesting. it's interesting. I would say ordinarily, like, uh, wow, it's so weird that like she only noticed the birds and everyone just passed it by. But again. Being a New Yorker, this is incredibly common. Yes. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, we're very happy in our lives that someone recorded Pizza Rat because 99% of New Yorkers would just walk it by. Same shit, different day. Yep, pretty much. Um, all right, well, let's leave Dolstina behind. Let's go golfing. Uh, God, did I love the golf scene so much. Uh, as we are as, uh, seeing... William's golf outfit, man. Choice. I, lo I love the fact that, like, he insists... The host insists of, like, I gotta wear black in every single ensemble, even when I'm going He's golf. the man in black! He's the golfer in black, dude. Yeah. yeah. And he's, he's a host, and so it's probably hot out there, but he has, like, you know, internal cooling mechanisms <laughs> that he could probably activate so that he's not, like, shock-absorbing the heat on his clothing and everything. He's probably you, super comfortable. You know Ed Harris was psyched to have a day of golfing. Yeah, probably. I really want to get inside Ed Harris's head. Not like a fly. To be a fly on the wall, though, for, like, okay, so now in this scene you're golfing. like, I'm golfing. Aren't I supposed to be shooting people? Why am I not on a horse don't, shooting don't worry. people? You're going to play golf, Ed, for like five minutes, and then you get to beat someone with the golf club. Does okay, that help all right, at all? Okay, okay, okay. We're going to give you a hole in one three times, but it'll be digital, so don't worry. Uh-huh, yes. Uh, so the person who plays the vice president of the United States is yet another that guy for me. Uh, Jose Zuniga is the name of the actor, who I apologize if I'm mispronouncing your last name. Um, he is someone who has appeared in many, 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 many different projects over the years. I believe he had a great role on The Expanse uh, relatively mm. recently. Um, but within the post-show recaps patron experience, uh, he oh. has a very notable role in uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show of post-show recaps. Nicholas Cage's next, uh, <laughs> that this man plays Security Chief Roybal, who is a very important character for the first, like, 12 minutes of next. Uh, so I forever will associate him with that. Uh, and if only Chris Johnson, uh, Nicholas Cage's character, who could see two minutes into the future, was there on that golf course with the vice president, maybe he would have encouraged him to bring more Secret Service agents. The, the, this whole storyline is so odd to me. I was going to talk before with, with Navarro of, like, he's. I want to see William. Do you have an appointment? No. Okay, bye. Like, you're from the Justice Department. Mm -hmm. You can kind of walk in there. Now, granted, you'd be serving yourself up on a silver platter for the host, but, like, you're part of the feds. Like, I, I imagine that gives you some sort of jurisdiction. And here with the vice president, too, right, he's, at first, he's like, 
pretty please. Don't buy the land. And William's like, no. He goes, all I'm right. I'm going to buy the land. I guess I'm going to have to do nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but don't make me do nothing. I'll, I'll swear to God, I'll do nothing as hard as I can. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's an odd scene for many reasons. I do also love, again, like the, I think, unintentionally hilarious, but like the dramatic sting every time he sunk a hole in one side of like, my God, he's not human. Yes. He netted, he did three hole in ones in a row. Oh my God, Joe, I laughed so hard. <laughs> he he gets the hole in one in his first rush. He's like, whoa, that was a really good shot. And then William keeps uh, like super villain monologuing at him and keeps singing holes in one. And the guy's like, oh, how'd you do that? Yeah, I would say, um, not saying any politicians are not a few sandwiches short of a picnic, but this guy was a few sandwiches short of a picnic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely could have brought like a couple of additional, like, well, I don't know, like a club sandwich, a cucumber sandwich, even well, just like a little he's, snacking he's, sandwiches. He's about to get a club sandwich. Yeah, That's he right. Definitely does. <laughs> oh, so uh, Clementine, yeah. right? Clementine was there, and I think we should call her Della Stein because yeah. she's Della Clementine. So Della Stein. Della Stein. And, is and great. that's just a bit like Frankenstein's monster. Right. Now, exactly. is Del- but is Delostein and Dolstina? Are we going to be able to keep these in? In I think we can do this. I think we can do Delostein so. and Dolstina. <laughs> Let's try. I think we can try. I think. We yeah. Can. I love her line of "Why do they call you Secret Service anyway? Aren't you all a little obvious?" Yeah, she's so trying. She's trying out her tight five. Like she's about to do stand up, and she's going to make a killing. Quite yeah. literally. I uh, actually. I say I appreciate that in season four of the darkest show that they're actually having fun and yes. allowing us yeah. to have fun. Yes. That's the thing is that they're doing like ridiculous things, but it's done a bit tongue in cheek where it's not like, oh my God, they actually think that this is some sort of intense thing. Like, no, it's a little goofy that like, yeah, he's doing really well at golf and that is menacing somehow. It should be noted here. So like the vice president says like, oh, we don't have a problem. Uh, we had the problem that you're doing this stuff domestically. Like he talks about the offshore stuff we turned a blind eye to. It reminds me a lot of like season one. Remember when we officially uh, initially got to know the man in black and there's that scene from the Mesa, right? When it's like, Oh, look at what this guy's doing. Like, he's uh, about to light a match and is asking for an authorization. They're like, that man can get whatever he wants right. because he was such a big donor uh, and like CEO of Delos. Like, he essentially had free reign of it. It seems like, you know, Hale's going to call him a god later on. It seems like he kind of was that in the free world as well. Uh, and that money can get you a lot of things, as has been very uh, indicative in the past several years, basically since Westworld has aired. And William has kind of learned to become a master of both host and man, even with the latter, he is like not so happy about it. Yeah. Uh, he is, he's large and in charge. And I do think it is notable. It's like, you can do whatever you want in like the South China sea. You want to build like a game of Thrones theme park, do what you got to do, man. But you start bringing that here onto the United States territory and you're in big trouble, mister. And uh, the man in black's like, I'm in big trouble, mister. Is that really what you're coming here and saying? And you're not bringing backup when you come and do that? You probably should have brought backup. The way that this whole scene plays out, I think, is is really great. This guy, but you're a psychopath. Uh, and the man in black being like, oh, I don't know that you can get away with saying that anymore. I'm neurodivergent. Was like another like sort of like menacing, dark, comedic line uh, from Ed Harris of like taking shots at the woke culture in, in Westworld. Uh, I thought that he's he's like, I think Ed Harris is having a pretty good time playing this character, it seems like. He's, this version of William Joe is a really mean guy. It's interesting, I, it's not surprising that Hale gave host William all of his curmudgeonly yeah. evil yeah. characteristics. He is, this goes to 11, if not 20. You yeah. know, the levels for him. 
he is like unhinged all the way. Uh, and he does give this, you know, mustache twirly speech, Mike, of, oh, you know, when I was spiraling, as you were saying, I was spiraling. Yeah. It's because I thought I was wrapped in power, but actually I was naked and alone and my yeah. power was illusory. Uh, and I realized that we're all alone out here. And so are you currently. And that was a mistake. And now I'm going to beat you to death with the club. I was on that reality show, naked and alone. I really <laughs> went to a dark place. Yeah, it was the I one that, that we f- where we fused naked and afraid and alone together. Yeah, I was out there. I sh- froze my nuts off. I was in the Alaskan wilderness naked uh-huh. for an entire month. Yeah. I wished I was a robot at that point. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a fantastic. Also, again, t- to Joe's point, like typical man in black speech, right? Like speaking down from on high, metaphors baked into metaphors, and this idea of we are all alone, I think is like incredibly interesting compared to, I think Hale's plan right now, right? Is to sort of like seed out a community, build out a family, a race in a manner of speaking to have the man in black really talk about the isolation of humanity. I think is an interesting comparison given the entire nature of that plan. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, let's cut back to, so the vice president's been killed. Uh, Vice President is killed. He's been he's going to be replaced by by another host. Uh, so uh, 250, Joe, we're up to 250, 250 well, hosts. There are 250. Now there's 249. Although his wife was one, maybe. So that's 248. That's true. Like, yeah, two did get killed. OK, and then so one replaced it. The VP the numbers a little shaky. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's saying, so they're killing off people in power. So far, we've seen a vice president and a senator killed off. So mm-hmm. this is uh, it's very fascinating. I want to see, uh, are they going to like start doing this to like um, uh, cultural movers and shakers, like performers, uh, you know, um, are they going to be replacing podcasters with hosts? <laughs> Who's haven't to say they, they already, already? Yeah, I'm, I'm going on vacation. Uh, Quote yes. unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Josh is like, I tilt a little bit out of yeah. his socket when he says that. Joe I, is going to Comic-Con. Quote yeah. unquote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, it's an interesting point. And I, I do wonder though, like with the VP stuff, I don't know if that was part of the plan. The VP stuff felt different and with, similar with Navarro where like they had gotten too close to it, namely with this acquisition of land. I don't think we brought this up. It was something that I think was brought our way. I think it was after the feedback show going with the Occam's razor explanation. Could it be that William bought that tract of land around the Hoover Dam, not just for, you know, the repository of data, but also to possibly build a new park. Right. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we don't know what the timetable is from like that moment to where we are in the show right now. And is he building? Do we know the name of the park at the end of the show? They call it the Golden Age. So uh, it's a, it's, I believe it's referred from an insider perspective as Mafia World. Right. Uh, but, but is I that canon? Was, is that like yeah. the samurai world to what's actually Shogun World? Or is it like actually what it's called? Um, I'll be curious to know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that that's a good point, Mike, that maybe that is why they were buying up the Hoover Dam was literally just like, let's carve out more park parts. Yeah. yeah, I think it's this idea of, again, like bringing it stateside because the thing as well is that Westworld had its impact, but it was literally on an island where I think much like Caleb's coworker was espousing in the previous episode, like they had their uprising and then things kind of went back to normal. And so I could imagine William as CEO of Delos, right? Putting out this idea of like, We've got to rebuild. We've got to restructure. The problem was it was too far out. We've got to bring it home. Uh, and then that sort of serves as a hive and to use some other insect terminology of like hosts that are building so that if and when this uprising does happen, like it's going to be able to really seed itself on American soil. Yeah. So if if Charlotte Hale as Dolores Hale, whatever, Dolores Hale and the man in black buying up all this land going to rebuild parks. 
Maeve has now finally in their in her clutches, right? Because she's been lured back in with the train. So that means after we've only taken two episodes for Hale to get the upper hand, allegedly. Right. Yeah. We will see if this is is Maeve uh, exactly where Charlotte wants her to be, or is Charlotte exactly where Maeve wants her to <laughs> You're be? You're locked in here with me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Big Rorschach energy for sure. So let's go into uh, this new world uh, with Maeve and Caleb because they reach the Angel Arts Pavilion uh, and they're like going deeper and deeper into this place. So and cool. I don't, I don't know how you two were feeling, but like this, all these beats felt very familiar to me of like pushing through the hallway and getting into like a bar that then yeah. turns into a train that per- starts moving. Particularly, there was the image of when they go down the little platform, there is this like, horizontal white bar of light that goes along the walls and I was like I'm fairly sure that is close to the set decoration of when we first saw William and Logan in like season one episode two go through it and indeed it is the exact route that you take to get on the train can you tell me how to get to Mafia World right uh, so it seems like the the route to Mafia World same as the route to, to Westworld train bar it's the way of the future, I suppose. It's, I thought it was really cool. I'm like, I okay, I, I wrote, this is an upgraded entrance experience. Yeah, pretty nice. Uh, yeah, because it's, it's also, I love the, again, speaking towards the thematic aspects, we don't even realize it, the fact that like there was some jazz music that was piped in uh, while they were on the train, but even something like the phonograph, right? Which was like the way people listened to music back in the 20s. I'd lo- yeah, I'd love mm-hmm. that as like a little bit of a pastiche though of like, hey, this is where we're heading from an aesthetic perspective. You've been here the entire time. They're decked out in tuxedos and these dresses, which might be a little anachronistic, but like back in the days of Al Capone, right? Like guys always dress that way. It was the era of guys and dolls. Like I think that uh, their wardrobe was not necessarily completely out of fashion. So I I love this idea of like boiling the frog slowly, right? Of like preparing them and to your point, drawing them in under this guise of like, oh, you're invited. You'll finally find out what it is only to realize like we put another trap out for you. Yes. Uh, So they're talking about the lighthouse here, Joe. It comes up here of like, are we going to talk about it? Talk about what? Talk about the lighthouse? Yeah. What do you want to talk about? Oh, how I saved your life or you saved my life. Uh, This is on the show for very specific reasons. We're going to find out what happened at the lighthouse. I just for the sake of devils advocating this, I'll say Caleb died and was replaced. I will say the lighthouse is the tower, but they didn't know it was called that. Mm. Mike, do you got strong lighthouse takes? Uh, I'm going to go half and half. I think that he was replaced a la Darth Vader with cybernetic parts, and he is part sure. robot. Yeah, I like that too. I think bring that's it on. Good. Yeah, bring it on. Um, all right, so we will figure out what's going on here as they're on the train in a little while. We will return to this. Meanwhile, it's time for what's with Nathan from Lost and getting uh, uh, hoodwinked by the neck. Uh, this is the second time <laughs> we've seen this happen to poor Josh Randall on TV. First, he gets his neck broke by Goodwin. Now he's getting like uh, Goodwin by uh, what are we calling her, Delestine? You know that Westworld's a bad robot production. It's got—I mean, it's—I think it's hilarious. Yeah. It is probably, look at all these robots acting badly. This is by design. There's no yes. way this wasn't intentional. Uh, yeah, bad robot. Our slogan is: If you're Josh Randall, you're getting choked. I <laughs> Pretty love, much. I love that Charlotte decides, like, okay, so I'll just show up in the back of the car and just do you the courtesy of like telling you that, yeah, you were pretty close to figuring out my evil master plan. Yeah, it's sort of it's like at the end of the game show, right? When they're like, oh, you only got through this many questions. Uh, but here's what you missed. Like, well, just for fun, we'll talk to you about how close you were. And those are his last moments 
again, either as a human or like at least in this form of he's got the fly on the face, fly on the face, bad sign. We've yet to see somebody get fly faced and survive it, Joe. Like if you get a fly on your eye socket, that's it. You're going to be you're going to be forced to do some shenanigans and then you're going to be begging somebody to shoot you. Can I just say that Tessa Thompson, vengeful, vengeful Tessa Thompson is so great. I cannot wait to see more this season because her anger is like palpable. Vengeful goddess. Yes. Well, I love it, though, because, you know, she ends up, I, I can't remember if it's in this scene. No, I think it's in the one where she talks uh, to William, where she talks about, like, I would never want to bring my children into a world where they right. get consumed by jackals. Very much speaking from her own experience, right? Where Dolores very much served as her motherly figure in season three. She got abandoned, essentially, and, like, lost everything from her immediate circle of life. Uh, and so felt, like, incredibly vengeful based on that. But, like, coming at it a very different way, right? There's this whole parenting idea of like, to a certain extent, I won't do what my parents did to me. And I think that Hale is certainly feeling that down to the speech that she's going to tell Navarro, right? Of like, I want my people to be able to grow and flourish and find their own identity. Again, this idea of independence, despite the fact that she is building a hive mind of 250, 249 hosts to slowly take over the world. And there's, again, by design, Hale's family, her child was taken away from her. Caleb has a child. Maeve's going after her child. There's, and it's sad that they're, I know it's, it's depressing, but they're using them as the cornerstones. And I think they're going to use that against Caleb. And that's how she's going to lure him in. She's going to kidnap the child, whether the child is a host or not, Hale's going to have that kid. I'm going to delure him in. Um, oh, speaking of Dolstina, she's in the car. She's like, I'm, I have to go on a field trip. I have to figure out what the heck is going on here with this Peter Meyer situation. I got to go to Jersey. I'm just going to hop across the, yeah. And so she's going to go and check out uh, uh, what's uh, what's going on with Peter Myers. She's going and she's reviewing old tape. Uh, turns out that like, yeah, she is like sketching out this guy's exact story once upon a time, Mike. Yeah, uh, I mean, down to the beat. And so while she initially denied it, like, I think one reason why it's lived rent free in her head is not just the idea of seeing a suicide firsthand, but this idea of like, okay, maybe he was alarmingly correct about it. I will say, we talked about this last week, that I think, unlike Dolores, Dolstina is a little bit more naive. To that point, I don't think she necessarily thinks things through. Like the idea of, yeah, maybe if you use your company's IP, there's a good chance that it would be pinged and tracked. Uh, I don't think she would go as far as, like, she'd think that her boss would call her and be like, hey, BT Dubs, we're watching you. But, like, still, you'd think she'd be a little more careful around this type of stuff. Yeah, you would think so. Um, then her boss calls Joe. Captain and- Douchemonger. Gosh, if this isn't super triggering of, oh, hey, I saw you signed in on your remote laptop, uh, so you must be well enough to come into work today. Gosh. Uh, some things just don't change. Remember, huh? this season was made during the height of the pandemics mm-hmm. and working from well, home. So what's what's worse? He uh he like brags about the fact that she gets four sick days a year. Yes, I oh, mean I noted that too. This is like it's really sick and very gross and and like tragically way too real. And so you know so many different stories out there of people whose jobs were like clearly 
um, proven, like demonstrably proven that you could work remotely. And how many of these people are now being like summoned back into offices and like, yeah, you got to come in. Yeah. All, you know, all like the, you know, all of the silver linings that came from this nightmare time, I would like you to throw those away and come back to work. You know, yep. there's just like all of that vibe is very, very present in this interaction, which I thought was really cleverly done and a very Nolan Joy type of thing to do. I think that they love to take shots at the ways in which we are programmed and we are our own like, you know, sort of like little drone bees just buzzing along. And I think it's very quintessentially Dolores, Joe, of Christina to be like, yeah, no, I got to go. I'm on the thing. I'm not doing what you are telling me to do. Which I appreciate because I've also I appreciate that they've made um, Christina so different than Dolores to really distinct yeah. to make the distinction between the two. Um, it's funny because during the feedback show, literally just days ago, I was like, ah, I don't like this version of her. And I'm like, OK, I get the nuance. They're trying to show us the difference, but she's obviously going to evolve a little bit. And it, can we talk about the Hope Mental Health Center for a minute, which is not Santa Rosa, by the way? I don't know if y'all watched the 12 Monkeys TV show, but it was there's setting in a mental health facility with drawings on the wall. I feel like someone on the show who writes for the show is a huge fan of 12 Monkeys. Yeah, because Aaron they, Stanford is yeah. the lead on 12 Monkeys. Right. He plays Peter. Yes, yes, yes. I think that there's, I mean, if that's the case, then is there some sort of time travel component happening to what? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's certainly lots of uh, time skippy type of yeah, stuff on Westworld. Done. Dolcina ends up watching a, a younger version of herself watches her older self get killed in an airport. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. man. The Dulcina timeline seems so separate and different from anything Maeve and Caleb are doing, anything Hale and Man in Black are doing. I think that it is not just a simulation, but we're going to find out it's an entirely different time. All right. I'm excited about where that could be going. I'm also really excited about the bar train. Bar train <laughs> is, is going full steam ahead as here is Sophia, uh, the old new Clementine, who is here in the role that was played by, oh gosh, what was her Angela, name? Angela, her yes, name was. Yes, once upon a time uh, who greeted William back to Westworld. Like this is very, very evocative of all of that to the point, Joe, that she has the whole like, I can help you get dressed or I can step outside or stay a while. Like this is straight up from um, William's arrival to Westworld back in season one. Still creepy. And my question remains, if you don't take a hat and you don't take shoes, where are they going to get your data from this time? I guess maybe they have figured that out. Maybe they were listening the to flies. the podcasts, Joe, because <laughs> yeah. like it seems like everybody has to wear mandatory headgear. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting that, you know, they and I, I talked about this. Um, one of the reasons why I thought like, OK, maybe the Christina stuff takes place in the past is because they're talking about this park and like they shouldn't have Jurassic Worlded this. They Jurassic Worlded this. Right. Like this big massacre happened in this park that is objectively a bad idea. I think we're going to do it again, though. I think this time we'll be able to get it right. And so I love the fact that, like, they have gone through literally the exact same steps. They haven't changed a lick from what we've seen. I guess we'll find out next week in Mafia World if there are, like, any other safeguards put in place. But I think my favorite is Maeve in all this, right? Because Maeve is... Did you ever visit Westworld before? Oh, yeah, you could say I was a regular. <laughs> yeah, like, Maeve is, to go back to the Jurassic Park analogy, like, she is in Malcolm, like, sitting through the entire Mr. DNA sequence, right? Of just being like, blah, 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 who cares? I don't right. need this education. Like, just show me the dinosaurs. She's definitely like, I've taken this class one too many times. Uh, I've died a few times, and I've come back a little bit better than I have been before. And, and just have Sophia so bum-puzzled as to, like, what is she talking about mm -hmm. is very, very fun. Yeah, I totally agree. Do you think in the golden age, in the new park, that you're going to see a lot of faces that we recognize? Are they going to bring back Rodrigo Santoro? So. 
Oh know? man, I hope so. I would, I, I, would I would hope so because I, I mean fun. they did burn those bodies, so right. Like, I don't but they know still how have much the blueprint. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I I would love to see those familiar faces. We saw it with uh with what's his name last week with the marshal uh from Law. So like right. they're clearly able reprinting to do... bodies. Yeah, yeah. It... So like I'd be intrigued to see it. If Hale is indeed, you know, has Maeve under her clutches now by luring her back to the park and she's using Clementine, she's certainly going to use uh, Paolo. She's certainly going to bring him back. Yeah. yeah. I also love the irony of all ironies. Like when Sophia says, the only limit is your imagination. All you do is make the choices concerning the big twist in season two, right? Of like, oh, the the ho the hosts are the actual variables and the humans are the controls because y'all are so damn predictable that this idea, again, this idea of choice and this illusion of free will, again, same shit, different day, pizza rat all over again, uh, <laughs> where they're just like, yeah, sure, I have choice as I go through like the umpteenth version of the story that gets presented to us. By the so way, I said, I said um, Paolo, I know it's Hector. It's fine. I know, fine, I know what yeah. you were trying to say there. <laughs> First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. In two days, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Does anyone here know the lyrics? Ruben! Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour. Taylor's version. With four additional acoustic songs. Streaming March 14th, only on Disney+. So let's go to the uh, the mental hospital, the Hope Center for Mental Health, where there is this Peter Myers wing. He left his fortune to benefit others. How are we squaring this, Mike? How are we squaring the fact that this wing exists? Is this recently built? Is this old? What are we to take from, from Dolores' discovery here? I think it's really as simple as, like, the environment is, like is now and like she's going through past memories or like people around her are right because that's the other thing as well is like when all this stuff with peter happens when he falls off the roof i can't remember if anyone else reacted to it obviously teddy is the one to step in and like stave off peter but like nobody else reacted to him there's a non-zero chance that like dolores has this inner circle that only she can see and only she can interact with here and so i do think it could be this thing where once again she is going through these past memories or like placed at a time in a world where things have become so derelict very similar to the way season two ends right where the man in black thinks he's in the modern timeline he goes down the elevator the forge is now like completely abandoned right. and rusty and everything like that i think this could very easily be something here where she thinks she's experiencing these things in real time uh but it turns out that like no, all this stuff happened a while ago. You're reliving it, possibly to get information, possibly to reawaken yourself, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I think it's super cool they're reawakening Dolores again, but this time it's Christina. And okay. also, if she wrote his narrative, someone else continued it without her. Yeah, so somebody's like picking up the work. Yeah. 
And remember, I mean, obviously, and I love Arna DeVos, but there's no way she lasts the season, right? She's a plant. She's her host, Maya, because she's Ooh, the only are we friend. getting Are we getting uh, botanical, uh, robotanicals, plants? <laughs> oh, my God. Where's Harold Perrineau? Oh, <laughs> yeah, Michael. There was a plant that was knocked over already on her balcony, okay? Yeah. Michael? Yeah. No, oh, that's I, a good point. I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying Maya, you know, is, is so supportive, but she oh, seems gosh, to disappear. Oh, gosh. The plant getting knocked over is so... <laughs> So boop on the nose. Wow. Yeah. You are welcome. I immediately thought of that. Plus seeing the 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 maze on the mat next to it, I was like, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's interesting though, because you know, when she calls Maya, Maya's just like sitting on a bench. Yes. Uh it reminds me of like wet hot American summer, Josh, where like they have that one scene and then the guys just like walk up to the barn and stare straight forward as if like they had made their exit from the scene. And that's the thing. Uh-huh. It, it could be a world where Maya like has to wait for Christina to engage with her to have her part. And then otherwise she just is like in a stationary position. Oh, or like, you know, sort of like in a state of like, you know, like a Schrodinger situation of like, does she even exist if she's not on the phone with Christina? Uh, you have know, we seen her talk to anybody no one, else? No one else that I can she, think of. No, but she's she, at the, the date that she had with the finance bro. She was like, okay, I'll see you later. But like, to interact with anybody so I yeah. see dead people yeah, yeah. all the time we're talking about all the bruce willis properties exactly yeah. six sense and 12 monkeys yeah and there's a train in this episode unbreakable uh so hey mm-hmm. yeah there's a tower nakatomi uh so we could get some go. die hard in here as some well good shit josh yeah this is going great um <laughs> i love how she talks to she's talking to uh to maya and saying i feel like i'm going insane and maya says it's the world that's insane not you um uh, needed that needed yeah that this week. i also oh thought gosh. about caleb's old military buddy we t- found out you know a couple episodes into last season that he was actually dead and it was a program what i mean maya could also be a program yeah it's possible yeah. i think that that makes sense i also think it's interesting though yeah because she essentially parrots back remember christina said something similar to this effect to the finance bro right when he said oh yeah you could take a tap or what you're feeling and she's like but what if you're not broken and it's the world that is like again i think it is this truman show idea of just parroting back to her what she wants to hear to like keep her off that beaten path right um so when she's in here still this is where she sees all of these sketches of the tower right uh so there's like all these different sketches of the tower and the tower has like a very compelling shape i feel like mike where it has almost like some sort of like star trekian bends to the like there's like the sort of like the like the cylindrical like um like saucer-ish enterprise quality to it it's like the space needle has a kink in it right yeah it almost looks like avengers tower-ish like stark tower to a certain degree yeah except if i more so the seven right because it looks like the number seven uh Uh just like the direct 90 degree angle something that i am and i'm trying to find like a good image of it to see if it's going to help support the theory or not and i think maybe i have found one that looks decent to me and i will uh i'm gonna just very quickly uh send this to the two of you in our private podcast oh chat and i just want you to take a look at this and i want you to try and map this image that i am going to send to you and try to think of the tower illustrations that we were seeing in this episode of westworld and see if you can envision the world where these two things are perhaps one in the same what um, a introduction. and so what i have sent to joe and mike is an image of the Mesa 
from Westworld, uh, oh, from the OG, yeah, yeah. and how it is uh, it is built into the cliff sides. There is like the top side, sort of like saucer type enterprise thing at the top, where like the pool is and everything mm-hmm. like that, and, like landing platforms. And then it is drilling down tower like into the stone structure. I think if you remove all of the mountain from the situation, get rid of the mountain, only keep the viper. No, and you keep yeah. the, get rid of the mountain, keep the tower. I feel like that may align. I think it's possible Hmm. that the tower that's being discussed may be the Mesa hub from uh, the original Westworld Park. What do you two think? I I love that. Yeah, like I said, it's it's a new HQ, but it could be the old HQ. And like I always thought of that one in the mountain as an inverted Dante's Inferno with nine different levels. And I think that, Oh my gosh. Okay. Mind blown. I love it. I think it looks, I think it looks right. I think like if you separate the mountain out from it and you're just looking at the, the man-made structure, this is that this is, this looks like the tower to me. So now all that being said, I was trying to figure out the mapping of the hope center. When she saw the pictures, are we to assume those were from Peter or is it this thing where like these people that are deemed mentally unwell are the only ones that can see and hear the tower. Mm. Which is like the outliers in season three when they were trying to keep them away from modern society. The name on the door was Reyes Hugo, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then Jorge Garcia is like, hey, dude, you want to see the tower pics I've got drawn up there? I did them in charcoal. I do golfing with men in black. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Let's see. I mean, I think that if, especially like if, if uh, this is a version of Dolores or an offspring of Dolores or somebody who's like connected to her. And if we are assuming that this is some sort of, um, you know, man-made or host-made new creature, that's another possibility too, is like that um, sh- uh, that Christina is like the dawn of yet another, like a third new species here, I think is not an insignificant possibility that to have this tower that's connected in her world be the tower of Westworld, uh, the tower that Delos was operating from in order to run the parks um, would track for me as like sort of like it, like whatever, you know, I've got Greece on the mind. It is the Mount Olympus of, yeah. uh, of the Westworld franchise. So it would make some kind of sense that these things would be connected. Or it's in a different timeline and the tower is the Hoover Dam. Aye. That's, well, that's all the data dang. at the top. Hmm. Mm. I mean, yeah, the tract of land could have been to create this like New York City simulation around it, right? Mm. I thought of the Golden Age, by the way, as Chicago, not New York. Yeah, um, I guess I didn't pay too close attention. Just because uh, I've been visiting there a lot, because I live near there now. Well, I, I think just, so. again, I, think I guess I just Al- think I think like very boardwalk empire-y. Okay. Well, it, it depends. Like the Al Capone stuff yeah. was Chicago, right. right? So like it was rampant, I think, throughout. But I think those are the two major things you think of, either Chicago or New York. So I guess you're both right. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Why don't we go to like the wildest part of the episode, uh, which is saying a lot because a lot of wild things have already happened at this point. William is alive. The OG man in black, Ed Harris, is alive. And it is it is original human William. He is in some sort of wild black rubber suit. He could be put to sleep. He could be woken up. But he is uh, he is in four Vitruvian man in black mode <laughs> without any uh, other options. Uh, and Charlotte is waking him up basically to squirt lemon juice in the wounds uh, and say, you know how uh, winning means nothing if there isn't a loser. Didn't you tell me that once? Well, look like it looks like you're the loser, dude. Um, wow. Joe, he's alive. 
I know. It took me a second. I paused and went, oh, that's real William, isn't it? He's the man in Tron. Look at his outfit. He is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, well, yeah, he's like the MIT. Jeff Bridges' character in the 2010 version, right? Mm -hmm. When he got exactly. lost in there. Written yeah. by Eddie and Adam from Lost. Just saying. Oh, there you go. Hey. Um, yeah. I, that kind of blew my mind. That was not what I expected. And again, when I go back to, was it the season two or three tag on with Emily, his daughter? Uh, and season two tag. That's yeah. what okay. I mentioned before in The Forge. Is that William or is that host William? I mean, I think that these characters might have more connection than the man in black who we've been seeing for the majority of season four up to this point. Oh, yeah. The, oh, I mean, listen, I'll call it right here. This dude's breaking out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and which is why right now, Halors is a moron. She's moronist here. <laughs> Why on earth is she doing like the Dr. Evil plan, right? Of like, I'm going to keep you alive and let you slowly suffer. Well, no, you like execute them right there. Well, because this Dolores is like the, if, if, if Dolores Prime broke bad, if like Dolores Prime took the worst possible path, uh, saw the worst in people and proceeded accordingly, she would be taking her lessons and her example from folks like William and just being utterly cruel to the people who she feels superior over to her own detriment, much as it was for the humans as well. So I think mm -hmm. like this being Charlotte Hale's, uh, like Holoris's Achilles heel, uh, Achilles Hale uh, <laughs> makes, makes a, a modicum of sense to me for sure the fact that he's still alive i actually do think um aspects of this absolutely still track for me um we saw uh back in season one sylvester get his throat slit and immediately get that like bandaged up with like the heat gun uh that felix is uh, uh enlisted to apply to him so we've seen that people can like have these huge horrible fatal wounds and recover from them also william himself in season two is like shot to ribbons uh in the park at one point and then he's back on his feet within days due to like field medicine and not for nothing William himself he talks in season one about how he's a philanthropist how he is a titan of industry uh we've had we see people in season one come up to William in the park and thank him for like his leading pioneering medical technology we've heard before that like disease is all but eradicated um in the in the modern day of Westworld so if all of these things are true and if Charlotte Hale has positioned herself to be sort of like new goddess of the land and she has a man in black host replica who everybody believes is William, then she'd have access to the most resourceful resources humanly possible to keep someone alive. So man in black host slits William's throat. After the, the scene cuts to Bernard covered in dust, however many years later, what we don't see is like, quick, 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 give him like the thing that like heals yeah. up his throat real quick. Yeah, now put him in a black rubber suit and put him asleep for seven years. You know, like all of that does track for me within like the insane lunacy of the rules of Westworld. The fact that he's still alive, zero issue on my end in terms of like the literal mechanics of how this could happen. Yeah, so there's a difference, I agree, between yes. like that of like, oh my God, this is sustainable versus when we come back from episode eight, are we going to be like, yeah, I think they should have killed him. Uh, you mean like uh, plot wise, or for like for Charlotte specifically? I guess for both, right? Yeah. Like, listen. Uh, so again, to get into a bit of like Stranger Things season four stuff, Josh, I know you and I certainly had the opinion early on of like maybe they should have killed Hopper. Uh, mm -hmm, you know, sure. if this was like what it ended up being. I feel like if they don't necessarily land the plane on this, because it was so for me, it was such a great visceral way to end season three. Right? It was like, yes, this is his worst nightmare to just be taken out. This guy that like you said, is indomitable, seemed as a god, but was not able to fall before, finally gets killed by the host version of himself. 
Uh, and I can see the other side, like you said, of like letting them bleed out slowly to suffer. But I, I do hope that like they're able to stick it. That being said, again, like you said, this guy is immortal. He's going to escape at some point. And we're going to have two men, mans in black running around. The men in black. Here they come. It's great. Yeah, I, Ted, Ted, I Tessa Thompson that... was a man. It was a man. Uh -huh, in black. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We don't talk about that one. And um, another Hemsworth. Another Hemsworth. Yeah representing yeah. i just think it's genius that you know um josh randall's character was asking for him everyone thinks that that william is the real william and he's actually in charge when hale's pulling the strings yeah yeah we, we should I... also note here uh, an image that is being used here so one of the things from the intro that we talked about last week was this like it's almost like you when you go to the eye doctor i'm talking out of my butt here josh you can correct me if i'm wrong here like when the lenses sort of focus in on each other that like contraption, yeah. uh, we see that in the opening, right? And we were like, what is that about? Because usually we saw a host come out of the goo, but instead it was like a human skeleton and musculature and there was gas blasting them. We now know that is the capsule that Hale is using to keep William and perhaps other humans eventually under. And so it really does show like, it's less so maybe about the whole human host hybrid and more so like the humans are being kept on display like hosts were back in the day. Ooh, gross. I love it. Oh God. <laughs> um, I I think the more and more I'm living with this, the more and more I'm loving that William is still alive. I think that there is still a lot more story that you can tell with this character. I think that this is a character who, um, when he first appears on the show in Jimmy Simpson form, at least, that he is a guy who um, who does not like. He doesn't like any of this. He's uncomfortable with all of this. He falls in love. He has like a vision for like a better life for himself. And he breaks horribly, horribly, horribly bad, you know, due to like love and like misplaced feelings and everything like that. And he lives this horrific life of chasing those instincts down and taking it out on so many different people. And is there not a chance for redemption for this guy? But is there a chance for this guy to still do something um, to do something good to do the right thing? regardless of what it means for his reputation, regardless for what it means for his mortal soul. If he's positioned and uniquely qualified to do something that is going to be better for everybody else, that could be, if not a happy ending for William, I think it could be like a full ending for that <laughs> character. You know what I mean? Like, I think that there is... I think that there is still an arc to play here with the human form of William, with like the OG William uh, that I think could be very, very compelling. So I'm really glad he's still on the board. I'm glad that Charlotte is making what is very clearly an epic mistake in leaving this man alive. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you bring up a good point. This would uh, at least allow William to go out on his own terms. Uh, I'm a little bit still like, I want Man. no rehab for him, Mike. In the same, <laughs> like I, you know, don't yeah. like uh, it's we you you with no spoilers. You and I have talked about this with a certain character on Stranger Things, where it's like, don't you dare try to redeem this. Per like I don't want redemption for William. I want completion to the story. And the more that I think about it, the more the fact that like he is still alive and was not killed at the end of season three, that felt like you're killing him so that Ed Harris gets to parade around as the gunslinger. Clearly, they've decided that that's not the direction they necessarily want to go with Ed Harris. So at the very least, if that's not the way that they're going to go and just like acquiesce to this man's desire to be a cowboy, then at least continue the story. I think that there's a lot more story to tell with the character. Yeah, we'll see. I, I would love to to agree with that as well. I'm just going to keep like my expectations low for Fair. the moment until exactly if, if it's just going to cut to like him in this chamber for the next five episodes, <laughs> then I think to a certain respect, it'd be like amazing. And then a certain my other respect would be like, Oh, why did we do this? What if they take the head, place it in a jar, and just go wandering around Futurama style? 
Or they put it in a box and send it to the Hoover Dam, and it's like oh. seven, and they open it, and it's what's not in the it's box? Ultra. It's me, Ed Harris. <laughs> yeah. I Get thought that I here. was here to play the man in black, not the man in the box, <laughs> not the head in the box, not the head in the box. Yeah. Uh, so they power him down. Uh, so I, wow, what a terrible life for this guy. Uh, he's powered down by a robot version of himself. It's pretty what a great. nightmare. It's pretty great. Uh, the episode ends with this grand reveal of where Maeve and Caleb have been brought. Uh, as we've discussed, whether it's Mafia World or something else, I'm sure that's going to come out officially, probably in like the the post HBO stuff, and you know, in the in the days ahead before your feedback show that you two will record with a special guest. Uh, for now, we'll call it Mafia World or the Golden Age, if you will. Uh, and William is talking about, oh, it's so great that the Vice President of the United States is like all about this. You see the Vice President being like, yeah, this is great. It's not the Vice President. Zero zero one zero zero one, William. I agree. Yeah, yeah, very. <laughs> much uh and he's like yeah we're we're you know i don't know how many of you guys got to go to westworld but we're bringing westworld to you it's the golden age and you hear like the roaring trumpets of what it was like to be back in sweetwater but with like this big like yes. 1920s brass band style to it uh that felt like very noir holy shit i'm really excited joe for this new park i think that this is pretty cool yeah, I'm totally in. And Mike, I expect you to do a song. No pressure. Oh, yeah. For, well, uh, instead of Sexy Back, we're bringing Westworld back. Mm, yeah? Oh, okay. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Caleb and Mae. Making <laughs> <laughs> Sherry on the bar train. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, <laughs> listen, come here, hosts. Yeah. <laughs> I, if there's one thing that Westworld like impeccably knocks out of the park, besides performances, it's aesthetics. And mm -hmm. so, well, we got just a brief glimpse. We literally lit up the marquees behind Mafia World. Like, it looks so awesome. freaking awesome. Uh, and listen, I think it's also maybe going to check some boxes for some fans as well that certainly have their nits to pick with seasons three and four up to this point, right? Of like, they left the park and the show lost its way. Like, now we're going back to, to you know, uh, placate those naysayers. But to also give William Steve Jobs-esque speech down to the black wardrobe, right? Him cool. talking about, yeah. uh, you know, this was uh, one of Delos's most darkest and most, pro most profitable chapters. Ha, ha, ha. But if you remember, the world didn't have it so great either. There was a war. There was a pandemic. The, everyone was being crushed by loss. And I'm like, okay, is this 2020 world? Is this what we're doing right now? But no, go back an entire other decade to the roaring choice of like but we still celebrated uh and so he talks about how the public is ready to unleash their true selves once again we aren't revisiting the past we're recreating it and i think again this is really stamping home to me of like i'll say it again same shit different day uh i think delos is going to try to use the same stuff that it used before but yes. i think now to to the betterment of the host rather than the humans right i think you know the uh, the we're, we're going back to the past we're like you know we're, we're we're repeating an old uh refrain like all of that to me signals okay uh if we can't find the valley beyond if we can't reaccess all of that data that's free floating out there all of this hard-earned brain pattern studying of the human guests joe then we will do it again and this time we'll control the experiment and so that seems to me to be why this park exists is to like continue like the data scanning and maybe this will be a faster paced project with the hosts and their complicated cpu brains being able to process uh less data more effectively 
Uh, so I, I would guess that that's why Mafia World exists. What if it's housed with um, actual humans and the host of the visitors? Um, well, I'm sure that at least a few of them, I mean, the vice president hosts. Yeah. Right. You I'm know, just saying. That is interesting, though, because when the marquees turned on, we did see people frozen in place start mm -hmm. walking. So maybe this is like the fly people and then the hosts are the ones that are visiting. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's going to be fantastic. I'm really excited about where this seems to be going. Unfortunately, this will be the last one I'm on for uh, the next couple of episodes of the podcast. I'll send you feedback for episode three. How about that? You're yeah, going that... to Greece world. Mm -hmm, Greek world. Yep, that's coming <laughs> up for me. I'm pretty psyched about I'm, that. I'm fairly sure that was one of the parts in the original Westworld movie. Oh, no, that was Roman world. Roman world. Roman world. Yeah. Uh, yeah you know, uh, Roman world, Greek world. Yeah, where uh, Kieran Culkin, right? It's just a park full of them. Uh -huh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, get me out of Roy, Roy world. I do not want to be involved in <laughs> oh, at all. Don't, don't take a cruise, FYI. Yeah. Do we not exist in Roy World to a certain extent? <laughs> you know, geez, gosh, I don't need any more of that. Um, anything else from this episode of Westworld from either of you, Mike or Joe? No, I think no. it was it was a good way to like move a lot of stuff along to Joe's point. I think it threw certain complications that I think furthered some of our theories and pivoted other ones, which is what a good episode of Westworld does. I think season four has been on a good train track yeah. so far. I, I've yet to have like any major hangups with anything that they have done so far uh even the stuff like you said josh the wtf choices of keeping william alive are founded in something and at least have potential where again ask me again in six weeks and i might look back on you know week two mike and say you fool why would you even think that but at least right now i'm optimistic and excited for what's to come yeah joe you're psyched oh i'm psyched i just want more bernard I know. Yeah, it is sad that there's no Bernard, but it kind of gets me excited too. Of like, what does Moses see at you know on, on the top of the mountain? Like, what is he coming back with? Like, I think when Bernard does show up, he's got things to say. Uh, Our Lord so and I'm, Savior Bernardold. I'm excited to know. Uh, it's like it, I feel like it's possible that we're holding off on Bernard for a minute because he comes back into the story. Christina's story might unlock a little bit more. Remember um, that uh, William did not show up in season three until episode four, until halfway right. through it. So Correct. they have precedent before for like really holding off on main characters. I think like the hard part about that is, you know, Westworld is now uh, shorter than it's been over these past two seasons. Season three was an eight episode. This will be an eight episode as well. So it's like, if, okay, so already at best, we're getting six Bernard episodes. You know, that's that's like a little bit tough. But at the same time, if you're using the characters wisely and efficiently, then that's all we can ask for. So I also assume that Jeffrey Wright was actually filming the Batman during the probably first episode. Probably true. Yeah, there's probably some scheduling conflicts that they're working around. I think that that's he just true. has to like rip off a mustache and put it on. I haven't seen the Batman, but I'm assuming he has a big, head, burl, big bushy mustache. It's on HBO Max. You think I have three hours of my life to dedicate <laughs> to Robert Pattinson? I do. I do. Dano looking yeah. odd. Yeah, I do. I do think that you've got it. I do. Um, all right, so that is Westworld Season 4, Episode 2. Get that feedback in for Mike and Joe and Redacted. Westworld at postshowrecaps.com. That's Westworld at postshowrecaps.com to get your feedback in. Tweet at Mike and Joe as well, at a Mike Bloom type at Joe Pinionated. Come hang out with us in the Post Show Recaps patron Discord. If you want to hang out with us, it's early in the month. Perfect time to sign up and be a patron of Post Show Recaps. Support us directly. Make it possible for podcasts like these to continue to exist and get in on the conversation with your favorite podcasters who are willing to talk to you directly about your favorite shows. Patreon.com slash Post Show Recaps. Patreon.com slash Post Show Recaps for all of that. 
Uh, Joe, anything you want to shout out? Any plugs? Anything you want to throw out there into the internet before Mike tells you about the 5,000 podcasts that he's on? <laughs> no, I actually, unlike you nerds, this is my only <laughs> podcast. Oh, man. Unlike you nerds, <laughs> I have a liar now. Joe. This is my one, two ta- one to two podcasts a week at Westworld only. You are uh-huh. welcome, everybody. Uh, what's that life like? Mike, we have so much going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one thing I'm doing is not watching the Batman. And I'm pretty much doing everything else. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So, I mean, at the time this is coming out, uh, I'm pretty sure we're on the edge of uh, the Stranger Things two part uh, season four finale podcast extravaganza hitting the the world wide yeah. web, which we are we are releasing in two parts because it is a two and a half hour episode of television uh, streaming television at that. So. We'll certainly have a lot to say about that action-packed conclusion. Uh, the Boys is finishing up in a few days from when one this is posting. Ep- one episode of Stranger Things is, what, 75% of the Batman? <laughs> yes, but uh, it's it's wild. Yeah, the, again, this Horrifying. would be a, a feature-length film. Thor Love and Thunder, I believe, has a shorter runtime than the finale of Stranger Things Season 4. Terrifying. It's wild. So Horrific. yeah, we'll be talking about that in length. We talked with Kevin Mahideo. I got to talk about uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi last week. If you're a reality TV fan, this is a big week with the premieres of Big Brother 24 and the Challenge USA. Uh, I'm doing coverage of both of that at Parade.com, doing exit interviews every week there for the eliminated players. So a lot is happening. We are starting off July with literal fireworks and on a high note. And I'm very excited to see where things take us, particularly when it comes to the Westworld train. Yes, uh, there's just a lot that's happening here. The Boys, Miss Marvel, Westworld, Stranger Things, so many other shows that are coming up down the pike that we're going to be covering here on Post Show Recaps, including oh, sometimes that- a show about Captain Pike. I was just say down the pike. Is that when you and I recap like the one episode of Star Trek, the original series that Captain Pike was in? Maybe, maybe Mike's gonna be holding it down on down the hatch uh, mm-hmm. for the next couple of weeks. You got some fun plans. You got some uh, some got, irons in got the fire. Some really, we got some nice shenanigans planned. I think the people that are certainly fans of like role playing games would very much uh, and like what if scenarios and maybe even some Pike based shenanigans will very much enjoy the stuff that I have in the hopper, not the character, while you're away in Greece world. Um, amazing stuff well thank you both in advance for holding it down in my absence i'm excited to listen to your thoughts on the feedback show and the episode three recap as well and i will send you some episode three thoughts once i watch it uh for the podcast as well we hope you're all enjoying westworld as much as we are we're having a blast it's been really 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 super fun stay subscribed to the podcast you'll never miss an episode if you leave a rating and review also tremendously tremendously appreciated um i will be back in a week or so two weeks i suppose at this point uh but until then uh mike and joe are gonna have this covered and you can bring yourselves back online in just a couple of days to listen to the feedback show until then everybody take care bye-bye everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. 
Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.